Welcome to Blurbs, a podcast about birds. <clears throat> Hi, I'm Matt, bird enthusiast from New Zealand. Let's get into it. The Eastern Rosella, one of eight Rosella species and the most colourful bird you're likely to see here in New Zealand. But for the first time on the podcast, drum roll please! They are not endemic to New Zealand. The Eastern Rosella is from Australia. They were first brought here as cage birds in the early 1900s. The ship that they were originally transported on was denied entry by customs. So instead, they were released while the boat was docked in the harbour. Consequently, the birds ended up flying onto the mainland of New Zealand anyway. This initial lot established themselves in Dunedin, which is located in the South Island of New Zealand, but they are now found at multiple locations in the North Island as well, including small offshore islands. So just how colourful are they? Well, first of all, they're a type of parakeet, so right off the bat, we're expecting them to be bright. To my eye, they show at least six colours in their plumage. A red head with white cheeks, yellow abdomen, back and wings with portions of green, blue and black, and a long blue-green tail. Males are more brightly coloured than females, and young possess a white underwing stripe that only the female retains as an adult. They are gorgeous birds, and always exciting to see. They frequent areas at the edge of forest, and so are also common in spaces like parks and orchards. I am very lucky that my sister's property backs onto a forested area, and it's here that I've seen the majority of Eastern Rosellas in my time. I'm all like, oh my god, it's a Rosella! And my sister and niece are like, yeah, we see them all the time. I've only seen one pair of Eastern Rosellas in my own backyard. (laughs) Sadness. Now, for some other facts. They are around 30 centimetres long, with a 44 centimetre wingspan, weighing in at about 100 grams. They eat a variety of foods, including seeds, fruit, insects, and nectar, and feed mostly on the ground. They generally nest in cavities of live or felled trees, but have also been known to use the old nests of other birds, and even rabbit burrows. They lay four to eight white eggs, that the female incubates for about 20 days, and after another month, the chicks have fledged. They are social birds, often travelling in pairs, but contemporarily form flocks of up to 50 birds. I would love to see that. It's like a bird rainbow flying across the sky. But the most interesting fact of all is, second drum roll of the day. The Eastern Rosella is the inspiration for my very witty Instagram handle, Matt.Rossella, being a bird-related pun on my last name. So Western Rosellas are multicoloured wonders of the avian world, but it gets even more exciting. There are different variations that can be seen in the wild. Firstly, there are three subspecies. We have the originally described or nominate subspecies, which goes by the scientific name 
of Platycerus eximius. Definitely sounds like a spell from Harry Potter to me. And this is the subspecies thought to have been introduced to New Zealand. Then we have Platycerus eximius alexica, which inhabits the northern part of the species range in Australia and has a bluer area above the tail, also known as the rump, and more yellow patterning on the mantle, aka the upper back. Thirdly, we have Platycerus eximius diaminensis, which inhabits the Australian offshore island of Tasmania. This bird is slightly larger than the traditional variety, at about an inch longer. There is a phenomenon in biology called island gigantism, where species on islands tend to grow bigger than their mainland counterparts. But I also came across another explanation called Bergman's Rule, which states that birds in the colder part of a species range tend to be bigger so as to conserve heat more effectively. Also, how appropriate is it that a cold temperature-related phenomenon is named after somebody with Berg in their name? Iceberg, get it? The Tasmanian eastern rosella also has darker plumage. I read that another biological rule, Gloge's rule, may explain this, as individuals in the more humid part of a species range tend to have more pigmentation. This has been suggested as a protective mechanism against feather-degrading bacteria, which are more prevalent in areas of high humidity. I found conflicting information on climate differences between Tasmania and mainland Australia, however, so take these conclusions with a grain of salt. There are also a handful of genetic colour mutations that have been recorded for the eastern rosella. These include Lutino, aka a yellow morph, Melanistic, aka a darker morph, Eurythristic, aka a red morph, and Cinnamon. I'm going to talk a little bit more about the Lutino and red morphs, as these have been known to occur naturally in the wild, rather than in a captive breeding environment. The red morph is thought to be the oldest variation known to occur naturally, and due to its difference from the typical eastern rosella look, it was initially classified as a distinct species, Platycerus ignitus, in the 1800s. The back, rump, and underparts of this variation are, not surprisingly, largely red, rather than the mix of colours that we usually see. The Lutino variation, on the other hand, causes a complete lack of melanin, which results in the back, tail, and wings being purely yellow, white, and cream in colour, rather than the darker greens, blues, and blacks. Unfortunately, this makes the bird extremely conspicuous, and so these individuals are easy pickings for birds of prey. Eastern rosellas are great, but there are some potential downsides to their presence in New Zealand for native birds, particularly our own parrot species. Due to their varied diet, eastern rosellas are thought to not only directly compete for food resources, but also to impact the regeneration of vegetation through seed predation and browsing of foliage. Furthermore, 
One study found that eastern rosellas have become the most numerous parrot species in the Northland area of New Zealand. This indicates that they are outcompeting the native kakariki, Māori for small parrot, for not only food, but also nest spaces. It has been suggested that a decline in yellow-crowned kakariki in Northland during the 1950s and 60s coincided with the arrival of eastern rosella to the region. Land clearance, which we've talked about many times on the podcast as being a problem for New Zealand's birds, has likely assisted the spread of eastern rosella by creating more suitable habitat on the fringes of forested areas. But you can't blame the poor buggers. It was humans that introduced them to New Zealand after all, and they're just doing their thing, trying to survive. So yes, there are negatives, but seeing one of these colourful beauties has definitely been a highlight of my birding expeditions. Believe it or not, despite their bright colours, research in the field has shown that eastern rosellas are more likely to be heard first rather than seen, with their squeaky chatter and whistling contact call. If you haven't added them to your life list yet, one study undertaken during summer in New Zealand has found that if present, 90% of the time you will be able to hear or see the bird within 13 minutes. But to be confident beyond reasonable doubt, you want to survey for at least 25 minutes. And we're at the end of episode 8. If you enjoyed the podcast, please consider leaving a review and feel free to reach out to me on Instagram. My handle is matt.rossella, that's M-A-T-T dot R-O-S-S-E-L-L-A. I love connecting with the birding community. Finally, should you feel so inclined to support the show, you can do so at patreon.com forward slash blurbs 439. You'll find the link and the references used to create this episode in the show notes. Thanks for listening, and I'll see you next time. Dee 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 dee, blurbs.